0: I guess that's what you call the dog days of Christmas. (laughs) You ever felt like that dog? You put all this time and money and work into preparing for Christmas and then you have to wait. And then you have to wait. And it seems like Christmas is never gonna get here, especially if you have small kids at home, right? But I've learned a secret to preparing for Christmas. Just wait till Christmas Eve. Go out and fight through the malls and coals and do all your shopping. Actually I have done that and Don't take my advice. It doesn't work out too well, believe me. You don't want to do that. But uh, preparing for Christmas, I have found that after all that you put into it and all the stress that goes into it, I've found that most Christmases, the, the celebration is worth the wait. It's worth the preparation. But I don't know that it's ever been more true than for a man named Simeon. And this is a man that Luke talked about in his first gospel. And this was man who actually waited years, years on Christmas, but he got to celebrate the first Christmas because when the first Christmas came, he still had to wait another eight days. You see, the Holy Spirit told him, you're going to get to witness Christ. You're going to get to witness the promise that God made. And then when that time came, when the time came for Jesus to be presented at the temple, the Holy Spirit led him into the temple to witness his dedication. You know, this last year, we've learned a lot about the Holy Spirit, or at least I know I have. And after all that we've learned about the Holy Spirit, would you think you would want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Anybody in here want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you the secret to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Actually, it's not a secret. The Bible says it very clearly. All you have to do is every morning when you wake up, you be like Simeon. You devote yourself to God. You be dedicated to God and say, I'm yours. Whatever you want today is what I want for my life. Just fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know it really is that simple. It really is. And so God showed Simeon some wonderful things in his life because he was devoted to him. And the greatest thing that he got to experience was to experience the Christ child that God had promised. And I want to show a clip from the movie The Nativity Story because they do a great job of dramatizing the special event. (coughs) Is closed in night. Your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines over you. For though darkness covers the earth and dark night the nations, the Lord shall shine upon you. Come, come, come! I promise, everything will be done the way we'll we not agree. Take them. Don't worry, I promise. Come, come. And the Lord said to Abraham, Keep my alliance and circumcise each child born unto Israel on the eighth day of his life. Amen. Amen. This is the seal in flesh of the Covenant between the Lord and His people. And the child shall be called. His name shall be Jesus. and the nations of the world shall march towards... And die contented, Lord, according to thy word. I am Simeon, an old man who has waited long to see his salvation, and now my eyes have seen the child will bring the salvation thou hast prepared before all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. The sword shall pierce your heart. The praise that Simeon gave to God that day has become known as Simeon's hymn. And so before we get started looking at how to prepare for Christmas, let's go ahead and quote that hymn together that Simeon gave us. He says in Luke two twenty nine 29-32, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and He is the glory of your people, Israel. We can learn a lot just from that little hymn on how to prepare for Christmas. And so, if you have your outline, either through paper or electronically, let's go ahead and begin. Number one in your outline is Have peace with the promise of Christmas. Simeon waited literally years on the promise of God. And he waited because he knew that it was going to happen, because God had revealed that to him through the Holy Spirit. And we can have peace in the promise that Christ gives us. When he was dedicated and when he was circumcised, they gave him his name. And the name that was given to him was Yeshua Hamashiach. And what that means is Jesus the Messiah. And the name Jesus means savior and the name Messiah means Christ which was his last name of course no it wasn't his last name the Christ means the anointed one or the promised one or the chosen one the one that God promised was to come to bring about salvation to provide salvation and Simeon found peace in that he not only found peace within his life because of the promise of God But he also found peace in death because of the promise of God. He said, I've seen your salvation. He's lived his life, or at least a good chunk of it, waiting to see God's salvation. And he said, now I can die in peace. This is what he said in Luke 2, 29. He said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. And so Jesus came so that we can have peace in this life and peace facing death from this life. Look at what Jesus said in John 14, 27. This is later in his life, actually the night that he would be betrayed and arrested and taken to his death. Jesus said in John 14, 27, I am leaving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus is saying there's a peace that I'm going to give you that you can't find in this world. It's what we call the peace of God. It's peace of mind and peace of heart. It truly is uh, psychological tranquility, if you will. But Jesus said that we can have this in this life. But the peace of God comes from having peace with God. When we have peace with God, then we have the peace of God. And when we have the peace of God, then we have peace with one another. Now, knowing that and looking at the world around us today, do you think we live in a world that knows a lot about peace? We have a world that talks about it a lot. But if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can know peace that the rest of the world doesn't have. And this is the promise of Christmas. This is the promise that Christ brought us. But not only do we have peace in this life because of Christ, but we can have peace even facing man's greatest fear next to public speaking, and that is death. And uh, Jesus told us about that in John 14, 1 through 6, in the same conversation, actually. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have not told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way that I am going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said we can have have peace even facing our own mortality, even facing death, which for most of us is still an unknown. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and, and you know the way. And Thomas, he kind of stopped him there. He says, wait a minute. You know, we've been following you all this time. You're telling us you're leaving, and, and we know where, we're, where, we're, where you're going and how to get there. We don't know where you're going, and we don't know how to get there. Now, Thomas often called the doubter. Of course, he was probably just speaking what the others were thinking. What are you, what are you saying, Jesus? <laughs> what do you mean you're going? And how can we, we know exactly where you're going? But Jesus said, through me, you will find the way. I will provide the way for you and take comfort in knowing that I'm preparing a place for you. And this is peace that we can have in this life. You know, I just found out a little over a week ago that I have a cousin just a few years older than me uh, who was dismissed from the hospital and sent home to go into hospice. The doctors say that his body is shutting down and we have no idea what is causing it. In fact a couple of years ago he spent a few years in a hospital in Dallas Baylor Hospital which my understanding is one of the best hospitals in the world they have no idea what's wrong with him. they just know that he's dying and his body is shutting down and I don't get that now our family is praying that God will miraculously heal him the the modern medicine doesn't know what to do but we know that God is a great physician and he could heal him today and so we're praying for that and I would I would ask you to pray for him as well. His name is Kenny Watkins. But he's he's a godly man. He raised his, his kids in church. Now he's raising his grandkids as a single grandfather. And so he's got them to think about. His parents, who are still alive, just went to a retirement community. They buried a son almost 40 years ago who was killed in a plane crash in the Air Force. And so part of me doesn't get this. God, why would you do that? He's got grandkids he needs to take care of. I don't want to see my aunt and uncle have to bury another son, although they do have strong faith. And so we're praying that God's going to do something miraculous. But there's another side of me that says, you know what? If he dies within the next couple of days, which the doctors are predicting, I'm kind of envious of him. Now, I don't have a a death wish, but I know that the greatest day of my life so far was a day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It changed me forever. And I know that the greatest day I'm going to have in this life to come will be the last day that I have here on earth because that's the day I get to go and be with my reward. And that's what Kenny has to look forward to. So I look, I look at it that way too. If he, if he doesn't live, if he doesn't survive this, he gets to go and receive his reward, be united with Christ and those of our family, including his brother who have gone before him. You see, as Christians... We face death a little bit differently than everyone else does because we know, based upon Scripture and the witness of the Holy Spirit, that we never die. We just pass on from this life to a better life. And Jesus said, because he came, that we can have this peace. Now, in that passage, Jesus also spoke what is probably his most controversial statement today. Jesus said, I'm the way the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I'm the only way. The only way to know God, the only way to have peace with God, the only way to have eternal life is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, that's hard to accept. And I get it. I really do. I understand why people have a problem with that statement. They say, wait a minute. Let me see if I can get this straight. You're saying that there is a God who created all of us in his image, and he wants all of us to have eternal life with him, but yet he provides only one way. And there are so many religions out there, and there are so many belief systems out there, and there are so many people that are working so hard and are so sincere and have great devotion. You're telling me that they still have to go through Christ to have eternal life? No, I'm not saying that. Jesus said that. And we have to wrestle with it. But you know, if you think about it, and if you're one of those that believe that's just too dogmatic and that's just too exclusive, I want to challenge you a little bit, not to be argumentative, not to be offensive, but think about what Jesus is saying here. He's saying he's the only way, and yet you're saying, no, there are many ways. Already, there's a controversy there. Already, there is a conflict And when you look at the different religions, you see different beliefs of how to have a relationship with God or how to serve God. And they conflict one another. And reality is and truth is if two belief systems contradict one another, they can't both be right. They can both be wrong, but they can't both be right. In fact, just the other day when we were celebrating Thanksgiving, I have no idea how this conversation came up or why. But we got into the conversation of Tom Brady and Inflategate, and I said, yeah, that was some Super Bowl, and my sister, who is really the sports connoisseur, corrected me right away, that was not a Super Bowl, that was a playoff. And I said, are you sure? She said, listen, the Colts and the Patriots are in the same conference. It could not have been the Super Bowl. And I stood corrected because, you know, she really is the sports expert in the family. But here's the deal. We both couldn't be right. We could have both been wrong. It could have been a high school game we were thinking about. But we couldn't have both been right. And so when Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way except through him, we have to decide for ourselves, is Jesus right or are there many ways? And if there are many ways, how do you reconcile that in your mind? Because Christ came, we know that we have a way, but we do have to to wrestle with it. We have to wrestle with it like the the famous argument that C.S. Lewis made in Mere Christianity. We have to decide that either Jesus is the Lord and he's the only way, or he sold us the greatest bill of goods in all of history so we can have peace through Christ. But number two, We can know the perfect gift for Christmas because of Christ, because of Christmas. Now, you parents here, you probably know the four gifts you're supposed to get your children, right? You're supposed to get them something they want, something they need, something to wear, and something to read, right? You probably already have that on your list if you haven't done that shopping already. Well, you know, through Christ, God gave his children... All that we need. He gave us what we want, what we need, something to wear, and something to read. Did he not? He gave us all we need, all we want, we would want in this life. He gave us abundant life. We have joy, we have peace through, through Christ. But he also gave us our greatest need. In fact, Paul said it this way. He said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. That is our greatest need. He also gave us something to wear. If you, if you read the book of Revelation, he talks about the saints having... Uh, robes that have been washed and are white, talking about our sins being washed away. And then he gave us something to read. He gave us his word, literally, through, through scriptures. And so Jesus came to provide the greatest need that we have and became the greatest gift that we would ever need. Luke 2, 30 and 31, Simeon in his praise said, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. So Simeon recognized that our greatest need is salvation. And why do we need that? Well, Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, underline that phrase, sin is death. And say that with me, sin is death. We all sound real excited about that. Come on, say it like you mean it, like you believe it. Sin is death. All right, now we're talking Now you're probably getting a little bit concerned, aren't you? What kind of a church did I come into this morning? Is this going to be one of those hellfire and brimstone sermons this morning? No, we need to understand that that sin is death. Because sin, which we all have, separates us from God. And that's what it means by by death. Now, you say, well, I don't know. Sin, you know, sinner, we really, we kind of got past that, haven't we? But think about it. Do you ever have moral dilemmas in your own life? Do you ever do things that are insensitive or stupid that cause pain to you or others? Does that ever happen to you? If that's the case, I have good news for you this morning, and that is you are a sinner. You sound pretty excited about it. Let me say it again. You are a sinner, and that is good news. I know that's good news because I'm a sinner too. And the reason that's good news is if I didn't know I was a sinner, I would have to try to figure out why I'm so messed up. But because of the word of God, I know why I'm messed up, because I am a sinner. So what exactly is sin? Is it these stupid, insensitive things that we do? Actually, this is not in your outline, but you can write this this verse down, Romans 14, 23. Paul says, everything that does not come from faith is sin. That's what sin is. Anything that does not come from faith. And all these crazy things that we do and all these things that cause so many horrible consequences in our world, that is a result of sin. Sin is simply deciding that, God, you're not going to be Lord, I'm going to be Lord. Yes, you created the universe. Yes, you provided salvation. But I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to take control, and I'm going to do things that work for me. And so let me ask you a question. Exactly how is that working out for you? Okay? So sin is, is not trusting in God. And because of that, we're separated from God. But Jesus came so that we can be reconciled to God, so that we can have a, a restored relationship with God, and he can deal with this sin problem. Isn't that great news? That you can give this sin problem to God instead of trying to wrestle with it on your own? I think it's a- absolutely outstanding news myself. But it is free. It's a gift. It's not something we can earn. Ephesians two eight puts it this way. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Praise God for that. I don't have to earn what I never could. I don't have to try to... I feel like I'm superior to other people because I'm not. I need salvation by grace because there's no way that I could ever earn it. There, there's no penance you can do. There's no works you can do. There's no money that, that you can pay to earn this. If you could, it wouldn't be a gift. You know, I heard a story recently about this uh, retired mob boss, this mobster who had spent a lifetime in crime, and he was getting close to the end, and he knew it, and he happened to get on a plane, and, and he was sitting next to a priest. And he decided, boy, this will be a great time to turn these plane seats into a confessional, and so he started pouring it out. I mean, he had tears in his eyes he said i 've done some horrible things i've i i 've made millions of dollars off uh, other people's suffering and pain, and i 've even been responsible for a lot of murders and and now that i 'm getting close to the end i 'm kind of concerned and, and i don 't know what I can do to get right with God and he said, "You know what I do have is a lot of money and if I gave $7 million to the church, do you think it would help? And the priest thought about it for a minute. He goes, well, it wouldn't hurt. (laughs) But no, there's no amount of money. There's no amount of work that we can do to earn salvation. It is a gift from God. And when we recognize that and we accept it, then our sins are forgiven. We still struggle, but at least we know what the problem is and we know what the answer is. It comes through jesus christ and i know people say well are you saying you can just go out and do whatever you want to say a little prayer and then all of a sudden you're you're forgiven well first of all if your prayer is sincere you come into a relationship with christ you'll have the holy spirit and you won't want to do those things that you did before you become a new creation but also when you realize just what grace is then you realize that you're free to serve god without having to try to earn his favor you know, when I was in the military the last year I was in, I spent about six months on a ship in the Mediterranean. And, and uh, we stopped at a lot of cool places. And one of those places was Marseille, France. And while we were there, one night a friend of mine and I, we were, we were on liberty off the ship. And we were trying to look for some sights. We didn't have a lot of time. It was already getting dark. And so we ran into this man. He was probably the age of our parents, maybe even a little bit older. And so we asked him, we said, uh, do you speak English? And he did. And we said, we want to find out a place to eat and then some, some cool places to see that, that are close by. And so with his broken English, he, he said, yeah, right around here there, there's a, a place uh, where you can go and eat. And he asked us who we were, and we said, you know, we're American Marines. And he said, well, let me buy you dinner. And we said, no, that, that, that's fine. You know, we didn't even know his name, and he didn't know ours. We thought, well, that's kind of strange. And so we said, we're fine, thank you. And we started walking through this parking lot, and he was following us. And I looked at my friend and I said, well, this is kind of strange, don't you think? Why do you think he's following us? And my friend says, I don't know, why don't we just ask him? And he was always a lot braver than I was. I said, go ahead. And he did. He says, why are you following us? Why do you want to do this? And he said, when I was a boy, uh, Germany invaded France, and we didn't know what was going to happen to our country. And I saw American servicemen. And I knew that they were giving their lives for our freedom. And I just want to pay it back. And we're like, wow. I changed everything. We said, okay, we'll take steak and lobster. But no. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't let him buy us dinner. But it explained a lot. Even years later, he was still grateful for those that had given their, their lives for his freedom. And we stop and think about the cross. And we think what Jesus did for us, we can be free to live for him. Now, number three is through Christ we see the illumination of Christmas. One of the things I love about Christmas is the lights. I love seeing all the lights that are coming up and and going around and seeing how creative people get with it. Now, some of you theologians, I know, you've read the Gospels and you see that That shepherds were out watching their flocks at night, and you understand first century Palestine, and there's no way that shepherds would have been out with their flocks in the middle of winter. And I think you're probably right. He probably wasn't born in the middle of winter. And then there are some others, probably stopped coming to church around Christmas because, you know, December 25th, we're right on the winter solstice, and there's a lot of pagan religion that, that Christmas arrived from. And you're probably right. And if you feel uncomfortable celebrating Christmas, that's fine. But I love celebrating the birth of Christ in the middle of winter, in the literally the darkest days of the year, because we have night and we have all these lights, especially with modern technology that we can put out there. There is a great biblical message that comes from that. You see, Jesus came during some dark days, and he came to be a light to the world simeon recognized this he knew that was part of the promise in luke 2 32 he said he is a light to reveal god to the nations and he is the glory of your people israel simeon was worshiping god because he knew what the world needed was was god's light to come into the world and he was also recognizing the promises that the prophets had had given us Uh, that, That God had given through the prophets in Isaiah 60 verses 1 through 3 it says arise Jerusalem Let your light shine for all to see for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth But the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you all nations will come to your light Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. You see God made a promise even long before that, to Abraham, and he said, Through your seed, I'm going to bless all nations, all people. He was talking about Christ, who had come to provide salvation, to be light in a dark world. And Jesus put it this way. It's not in your outline, but in John 3, 19, he says, This is judgment, that light has come into the world. He was talking about himself. He said, And men love the darkness rather than the light, for their works were evil. You see, when Jesus is talking about darkness, he's talking about spiritual darkness, people who are not in relationship with God and a world that's not in relationship with God. And yet he came because he provided hope so people can come to him and know God, God's light and they can know God's direction. You know, a couple of weeks ago when, uh, when I heard about that shooting in California There was a few things that really bothered me about that shooting. The first thing that bothered me the most was I I was not shocked at all, and I didn't grieve for those that were killed. That really bothered me because 20 years ago that was not the case. I would literally weep over those that were killed even though I didn't know it and was tremendously shocked. But it has become so regular that the shock value is gone. And then another thing that really bothered me was there was an interview of a mother whose son was killed in that shooting. And her son who was killed in that shooting was also at that concert in Las Vegas last year when they had the worst mass shooting in our history. And the first thing she said when she was interviewed before the nation was, I don't want your prayers. Prayers don't work. And I was like, wow. It bothered me because... They do work, and she's not recognizing it. And yet, at the same time, I get it. She's speaking out of grief. She's speaking out of a history that's becoming way too prevalent. The sad thing is she doesn't recognize that as dark as this world is, there's still hope. There's still light. And many of us have discovered that in our lives. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you just were in a dark place, where you felt like there was no hope, no direction, you just kind of did life because you were alive, and that was it. Nowhere to go. I've been there. For me, it was probably about 30 years ago. In fact, uh, 1989 was, was was the year that this happened. So about 30 years ago, I was I was living in Rio dosa. I was out of the military. I was I was living actually kind of outside the village, so secluded place. And I thought I had the world by the tail. Actually, the world had me defeated, but I thought I had conquered it. I, When I got out of the military, I went back to some of my old habits. I started smoking pot every day and started getting drunk every night. And I was I was looking at going into the Border Patrol, but then I got a DWI. I said, you know, don't even bother. You'd have to come back in five years, and at that point, we're probably not going to be interested, so just plan on doing something else. But early in 1989, my father, who did exactly the same I uh, exactly the same age I am now, so really young guy. Uh, he got sick, and I thought, well, he's young, he's strong. Uh, he, he's bounced back from a lot, of he'll bounce back from this, but he didn't. He got worse and worse, and then he eventually passed that, that following summer. And so when he was getting close to passing, I moved back down to Alamogordo, was living with my mom and dad, and after he passed, I was just kind of in a daze. I had no direction. I felt like this was a bad dream that I'll just kind of come out of. I did start going back to church. I quit drinking. I I quit drugs. But I didn't feel comfortable in church, and I felt a little peace there, but not much. So I finally got got out. And then just getting kind of bored and lonely, I started going back to the bars just for some socialization and ran into some people from high school that, that I knew and and so kind of got to reacquainted with them and then got back into some bad old habits again. Uh, even ran into some people from the church I was going to, although I don't know what they were putting in the drinks in that bar, but somehow it, it caused so some kind of DTs and then um, some kind of amnesia because they'd see me and they'd go and then take off the other. They didn't know who I was, you know. But I remember one night I was, I was drinking and a friend of mine from high school said literally, Dude. You're making me depressed. We're here to have a good time. I just wasn't happy with that lifestyle anymore. So I just went to work and I went home and uh, quit quit all that stuff that I had done before because it just wasn't satisfying anymore. But I really had no life. I mean it was just empty. And one night I was going to work. I was working in a factory and it was out on the desert road and I had this, this old black Chevy blazer. And I was going to work one night. I was working a graveyard shift. And on the way to work, that blazer just died. I mean, no electricity, nothing. It was just just gone. And it was so dark out on that road, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And I thought, you know, this is just how dark my life is right now. Just nothing. And then eventually, there was uh, an older gentleman from the church that invited me to an evangelistic service. And there was an evangelist preaching, and he preached right to me. And the next morning, he said he had no idea he was going to preach that sermon. He didn't start that. But that night changed everything because I did accept Christ. And it was literally just like someone had clicked on a light switch. And I saw the world and I saw Christ and I saw myself in a whole different light. And it hasn't been the same since. Can you say you've had an experience like that? Maybe not just like that. But have you ever come to a place where you've truly come to Christ and it just changed the way you've seen the whole world. It changed the way that, that you do things. You started living by faith instead of by yourself. This is the promise of Christmas. That we can know peace in this life. And have peace with the next. And see things totally different. Because we have the light of Christ. Jesus said this in John 12, through 46 Says, Jesus shouted to the crowds. If you trust me. You are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world, so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Will you pray with me? If you're here this morning, and you can honestly say that you're living in spiritual darkness, It may be because you've never come to a place where you've truly accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. You've come to him recognizing that he died on the cross so that your sins, past, present, future, would be wiped away. And so that you're just free to serve him. Or maybe you're a Christian and and maybe you've been distracted by the things of the world and you've drifted off and you've lost your direction. God's desire for you is to have his light And to have his direction and and have him show you your purpose in life. And if this is you and if this is on your heart, just say this simple prayer, just between you and God. Just say, Lord Jesus, I know that you came to provide salvation to me. I know that you did it by suffering and dying on the cross to remove my sin. I want a relationship with you. Forgive me of my sin. And I just want to make you Lord of my life. I just want to follow you the rest of my life. And if you've prayed that prayer of faith, you need to know that simple faith is all it takes to come into a relationship with God. And I want to pray for you at this time. Father, I just lift up to you anyone who's just prayed to receive you. or And I just pray, God, that as your spirit bears witness with them, Father, you just uh, lead them to to strong Christians who will help them grow in this new life. We just thank you for the sweet salvation that you've given us and for the great gift you gave us, your son that you sent from heaven. If you're here this morning and you just need to spend some time just rededicating your life to Christ, just take a few moments and just ask him to to take control of your life.